You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that Well, it is time for your daily sleep report. Today, unfortunately for everyone, surprisingly myself included because it didn't help. Um, second day ever, as far as I know, where I've, I've snoozed for an hour. And the other day was like a week ago. So, again, I don't know what's going on. But, um, yeah, it just, it just felt like a regular old... I don't, even, I don't even know how it's possible to snooze for an hour. I thought it, like, stopped doing that. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've, I do some voodoo when I'm tired, man. I don't know how I do stuff. But, yeah, it was just, oh, yeah, I got to hit snooze. What time is it? Oh, 3.48. Okay, that sounds, that sounds legit. I don't know. It's funny when you try to think through things when you're tired and everything, everything just kind of makes sense or doesn't for various reasons. But, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds right. It sounds good. Okay. So, like, 18 more minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't know anything. You're, you're stupid. I still have alarms going off. It's 4.03. What is happening? I don't know what's going on right now. Do I get up at 4? What? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Let's just power through this. When I wake up, I'll get, I'll get some clarity. I'll let you know what happens when I wake up. Anyways, um, also, apologize for yesterday. I got the, was there a podcast today at like one o'clock in the afternoon yesterday, which always makes my heart sink. There was um, some kind of an audio error or something. I've never seen that before, but needless to say, the uh, podcast didn't pop up short on time. So I'm just going to power through my yawns, but I did get that up yesterday. If you haven't seen it, still had some people asking me about it. It's up now. Go check. Easiest way to know. Turn on notifications, man. Got to get those notifications going. Just pops up on your phone. Boom. Next episode of the Packernet Podcast, ready to rock and roll. So do me a big old favor. Turn on notifications. If you don't know how to do it, if it's not possible with the current app that you have, find a different app. Because it sounds like whatever you're using is stupid. So the big news yesterday, unfortunately nothing Packer related, but Matty Ice... Long-time quarterback, long-time NFC quarterback, was in fact traded to the Indianapolis Colts. And once again, everyone's saying the Colts are brilliant. That's fine. It doesn't matter. We'll just leave it. It works out fairly well for them. But again, it's just assuming that Matty Ice is going to be the greatest quarterback in human history. And he's going to go to the Colts, which is basically they're going to treat the Colts like they treat the, Bron- the, uh, the Broncos and say they're just one quarterback away, aside from the fact where they have now had three quarterbacks where we've played this one quarterback away game, right? I mean, I fell for that when they got Phillip Rivers. When they traded for Phillip Rivers, I was like, oh, man, this team is just a quarterback away. Watch out. And then they were not good. And then they went out and got Carson Wentz. Now they got Matt Ryan. I'm sorry. I'm kind of over it. Until you can prove that you can do something with these quarterbacks, I don't care. 
And no, I don't necessarily think Matt Ryan is better than all of them, although maybe. But I think Philip Rivers is a little underrated. So when you factor in Matt Ryan being older and um, on a completely different team, and Philip Rivers being underrated, he's maybe marginally better. But also the Colts are several years removed from being the team that was one quarterback away. Their defense is now starting to decline, and it's by starting, I mean this happened like two years ago. And uh, last year was the first year that their offensive line was not the most impressive thing, you know, like ever. So they have Matt Ryan. They have a good running back. Um, I don't know. Still a decent offensive line. I don't even know what else. So I don't. I don't super care. But Matt Ryan is out of the NFC, which even that isn't that big of a deal because the Falcons have not been a threat for a very long time. But it's just it's just kind of interesting. Because I keep sitting here saying a team is going to emerge. There's going to be some teams that emerge. A team is going to emerge. And the NFL is doing everything it can to make sure that what I said was incomplete, incomplete, incorrect. There will be no teams emerging in the NFC. And I will gut the NFC until that is true. But I don't want to go through every single NFC team and all the changes. But I do want to quickly go through. And again, this will have to be somewhat of an abbreviated show. So we'll have to try to do it quickly. But I want to go through the NFC North because I've started to see, as listened to a podcast yesterday, kind of talking about the odds that the you know a different team wins the the North NFC. That is right, Beverly Hills. It's fine. But um, you know, I'm I'm not just going to entirely pick on everything that they said because you know this this is also why I have a hard time listening to other NFL podcasts because they say things that are just kind of absurd and again when you're when your job is to cover the entire NFL it's it's more difficult to have a really good picture of what a lot of these teams are and I'm I'm maybe cutting them too much slack because it's probably not actually that hard now that I think about it because I'm a Packers guy that doesn't have any reason to know anything about the Colts, but I do have a pretty strong opinion about the Colts, and I think I'm correct about that. And there's no reason for them to dedicate their entire life to the entire NFL and not know anything about the NFC North. And um, when you only have limited time, I struggle to force, as much as I want as much NFL content as possible, I struggle to force myself to listen to it. But I did, because there was a, a question about the NFC North. Now, to their credit, they all acknowledge that the Packers are still the favorite. But there does seem to be this lingering idea that um, the Packers are, now that the Packers are doomed without Devontae Adams, should some of these other teams emerge, seemingly having no idea that the Lions won three games last year and the Bears and Vikings are in complete teardown and rebuild mode. Although the Vikings are kind of doing this like, we think we're going to tear down, but then never mind, I think we're going to just bring everybody back, kind of, but also get rid of some guys and then bring in kind of nobody because we have no money thing. <laughs> so that's always my favorite kind of plan. Granted, it's what the Packers have kind of done the last few years, but I haven't been super happy about it. But that's why I'm excited about the picks and the money and everything. But at least with the Packers, when, if you're going to run it back, you need to have a team that's worth running back. Let me just start with that. Right? It's never my favorite plan. But if you're the Buccaneers, if you're the Bengals, if you're the Packers, if you're the Bills, I mean, you always want to add. But if you can't add and the plan is either run it back or tear it down, just run it back. Because despite a lot of Packer fans saying, well, what's the point? We didn't win. That means we can't win. That's, that's incorrect. I'm sorry. That's, that's not how um, things work. It's like I played Battleship with my son the other day, and he beat me. So I'm never playing Battleship with him again, because apparently he's just a Battleship guru, and I'm the worst Battleship player in the world, and I'll never beat him. So since I'll never beat him, I'll never play. 
Real winner's mentality among Packer fans. We didn't win, therefore we'll never win. I quit. Okay. (laughs) Okay, bud. It's a real good thing that nobody that is a Green Bay Packer, from the GM, the administrative staff, the coaches, the players, zero of them have your mentality. It's a good thing because we never would win if they thought like you. The point is, if you're good enough to get to the playoffs, the NFC Championship, the Super... I mean, and there's varying degrees of good, but there's variability from year to year. We basically ran it back from 2019 to 2020, 2020 to 2021, and 2021 to 2022. 2020 was the best season of all the seasons. Why? Variability, man. I don't know. Well, we had Zedarius. Yeah, but it wasn't Zedarius's best year. 2019 was, which was not our best year. Probably the worst of the three. So run it back and try to add talent if you can, if you get lucky with a guy like Devondre or Rizul or whatever. But the point is, if you're the Vikings, you don't want to run that back. You don't want to run, we miss the playoffs back. You need to have somewhat of a long-term strategy here. Somewhat of a, what are we going to do to have, because again, it's not what are we going to do to win a Super Bowl necessarily, because that's a fool's question. You, there, there is no formula to win a Super Bowl. The question is, how do we construct a roster that is capable of winning a Super Bowl? Because once you get there, you kind of have done your job. You need to be capable and as capable as possible, but at least cross the threshold into capable. The Vikings are not capable. There, there may be borderline capable, which is one of the most dangerous things you can be, because we've seen this with numerous teams. It's why the 2018 Bears never gave up, despite the fact that 2019, 2020, and 2021, they were not capable and were bad football teams. They never gave up on the fact that they thought they were close. And the Lions are not even worth talking about. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. They, I mean, they obviously know that they can't run it back, but what, what are you even going to do? But being like the eighth team, you know? the team that almost made the playoffs, it's dangerous because you feel like you're closer than you are. And so you've got the, the Lions last year started their rebuild. The Bears this year are starting their rebuild, and the Vikings have kind of just resisted. And again, there isn't a ton that they can do. Even with their quarterback situation, um, moving on from Kirk Cousins wouldn't have really helped them very much. The contract from the previous uh, administration was garbage and didn't really give you a lot of flexibility. And in fact, it put them in a situation where they are, they gave them another contract with no flexibility. And so the Vikings are, you know, they're an extreme version of, of basically what the Packers have historically been, not necessarily recently because we've been bringing in a lot of free agents under Brian Gutekunst, but I mean, they've been very Ted Thompson-esque in terms of draft and develop. In fact, aside from the Cowboys, in fact, they're, well, they're tied kind of with the Cowboys in terms of um, how much of the players on their team are lifelong Vikings. Out of 75 players currently listed as Vikings, 50 of them tied with the Cowboys are um, homegrown players. 66.7%. The Cowboys are at 704 because they have less external players, but um, 66.7%. So they, they've always maintained this philosophy of we've got to keep everybody, we've got to keep everybody, we've got to keep everybody. And again, I'm not opposed to that at all. When it's working, right? You draft guys, they're really good, and then you pay them to stay. What happens if you draft guys and they're mostly not good? Well, then you overpay the guys that are good to keep staying, and then I don't know, I guess. Now you have no money, so you can't go out and get new guys. It's, just, it's kind of a mess. But anyways, we might as well start with the Vikings since I'm talking about them. Um, as of right now, 
The only real moves the Vikings have done is add Harrison Phillips and Jordan Hicks, the linebacker. Those were back-to-back signings on the 14th and 15th, and again, they're sitting at like $1.3 million in cap space right now. They also extended or signed Kirk Cousins to one more year deal. But you got to remember, a lot of guys are potentially leaving. Michael Pierce was already released by the Minnesota Vikings. That saves $6.5 million in cap space. By the way, there's a lot of consternation about uh, Zadarius Smith. He seems to be signaling that he's going to Minnesota. He's almost gleefully doing it, trying not to get too upset about it because, you know, I mean, he's excited. He wants to support the team. He did that when he was here. Good for him. But if he could just go ahead and shut up about it, that'd be great. (laughs) I don't need him bragging about how much he loves the purple people eaters and the Vikings are so great and blah, blah, blah. I know that one report was fake, but still, I mean, he's still putting out the cryptic people eater thing. But the Minnesota Vikings right now have no money to sign him. So there will have to be some kind of a move made in order to make that happen. Um, Harrison Smith, who is just, I mean, how old is that guy right now? He's already 33 years old. He is now signed through 2026. So four more years. Again, obviously that's not going to be all full year, four years, but that's, that's crazy. But this is just what they've been doing since forever. But they converted some of his money to make, try to make space. Probably or, or potentially what that's going to do is force him off the team at some point. But they're, they're starting to feel the pinch. They're starting to feel the squeeze. And, and the, the issue is they've got a lot of outstanding free agents here. Some of them maybe you don't care about a ton, like Chris Herndon. Um, they do have Mason Cole, the center. Deshaun Bauer, the edge rusher, Chad Beebe, wide receiver, Sean Mannion, the quarterback, Wayne Gallman, the running back, Everson Griffin off the edge, right? They're talking about Zadarius, but Everson Griffin is apparently not coming back. And, and again, I'm still not sure about how this defense is going to be structured and how much of a fit he or Daniil Hunter is going to be. That you know, Everybody's talking about how crazy the whole Daniil Hunter thing is, and maybe they're going to trade him, but probably not. And then you got Daniil and Zadarius. I have not heard one single person even address the issue of how the heck is Daniil going to fit? Are they just going to kick him inside to be a 3-4 defensive end? And again, I fully understand that you're going to play a ton of nickel. And in nickel, he's just going to be a, the, the same position. He's a hand in the dirt. It's like a, a 4-2 or a 4-1. But that doesn't address the fact that there's still going to be 50-ish percent of the time when there are stand-up outside linebackers. And you have to decide to either kick him inside to be a defensive end, in other words, a, a sort of a defensive tackle, stand him up, or put him on the bench. So bringing in Zadarius is less of a, you know, additional piece to just wreck the NFC North, and more of a just, we don't have anybody, and we need to find somebody. I had even speculated that may, maybe Anthony Barr just gets kicked out to outside linebacker. We can see what he can finally do. Unfortunately, Anthony, Anthony Barr is another free agent that is yet to be signed by the Vikings. He's just floating. Michael Pierce, Patrick Peterson, Sheldon Richardson, Rashad Hill, Nick Vigil, Xavier Woods, D.D. Westbrook, Mackenzie Alexander, Dakota Dozier, Luke Stocker, all of them potentially going bye-bye. And these are big names. A lot of these guys are not, I mean, some of these offensive linemen, even if they're not top-tier guys, you're losing some depth here. Mason Cole, Dakota Dozier, Rashad Hill, again, losing potentially Anthony Barr. I know you brought in Jordan Hicks. The issue with switching a defense is you don't have a lot of leverage to be able to bring in the pieces you need. Mike Pettin and uh, Mike Smith, who are going to be helping get this thing up and running, the GM goes to him and says, what do you need? He says, here's the list of things we need. And they go, well, that's cute. I don't care. We have no money. I'm broke. Well, then why did you ask? The GM is asking for Mike Pettin's opinion the same way that your wife asks if, you know, the 
pants make her look fat. She's not asking. She doesn't care about your thoughts and opinions. She just wants Mike Pettin to say, We're good, boss. Doing a great job, buddy. Great team we got here. Fully stacked and loaded. We're going to win it all. (laughs) That's it. That's all you're supposed to say. So, you know, I understand losing Devontae Adams is is a blow. But you don't look at the Green Bay Packers like I'm looking at the Vikings and go, I don't know, man. I mean, the offense is fine. The offensive line, as I've said many times, has taken strides. I think Kirk Cousins is underrated. He has his flaws, and he maybe doesn't come through in the biggest moments or whatever, which, again, I don't even think that's true anymore. I went back and looked at his Monday night football or his late night rating. He's, he's won almost all of his games recently in late night, so that's not even true anymore. He's loaded up with his offensive weapons, his wide receivers, and his running back. But all the same, the defense is kind of a mess and they're going to have to try to figure out how to convert what they do from what they've been doing since forever. And everybody on this team has been a Mike Zimmer guy, and we're getting away from that. So none of these guys necessarily fit. I mean, on some level, corners are corners and safeties are safeties, but the linebackers, the defensive tackles, the edge rushers, there's, there's changes. And as I've also mentioned, and, and I did this probably two years ago, when you look at teams, not just based on where they're at, but their potential to grow, Prior to the Devontae trade, the Packers are very low on the list of potential growth. So they were the top team, but had nowhere really to go but down. Aside, I mean, there's still the draft, and you could hit on a few things to potentially raise the, the talent level, but it's unlikely. You know, rookies don't usually dominate in their first year, so maybe there's some second-year guys that take off. Maybe there's a rookie that contributes on a, on a fairly high level. But you don't expect much, especially when you don't have any early picks or extra picks. You know, you just have a a late first, late second, late third, late fourth, blah, 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 blah. But now you look at the situation, and the Packers are not only the best team, but they have basically as much money as the Lions do. So it's Bears, then Lions, then Packers, and then Vikings are fourth from the bottom. They're the, well, the the Bucks, the Chiefs, and the Titans are listed as being negative, which I don't even think you can do at this point. So there must be some moves that... um, we're just not aware of, I guess. I don't know. But depending on what those moves are and what their cap hit is actually going to be, the Vikings are potentially have the lowest amount of cap space of anybody. Then you look at draft capital, you got the Lions with the most because obviously they have a super high pick and they have extra picks. They have pick two and pick 32 uh, and pick 34. So um, three picks in, in basically like the first round. The top of the second is the back of the first. It's same samesies. But after that, what do you got? Well, it should be the Bears because they have a high pick too. Oh, wait, they traded away and they don't really have any picks because they traded away all their picks, including their first round pick. But what about the Vikings? They pick at 12. They must be, nope, nope, it's actually the Packers because they have two firsts and two seconds. So even though they're at the back of the first round, those those extra picks mean they have the ninth most draft capital in the entire NFL. It goes the Jets, the Texans, the Giants, the Jaguars, the Lions, the Eagles, the Seahawks, the Falcons, and the Packers. That's the list. All these trash teams that pick early, and then Green Bay, who was in the playoffs. <laughs> the only other potentially decent team that's in, in at the top of this list is the Eagles, with picks 15, 16, and 19. But then they don't pick again till uh, 51, but I'm sure they'll get over it. So again, it's, it's part of the reason I that, that Devontae thing is so beneficial. And yes, you do have to do something with it. If, if you do nothing with the money, or, you know, nothing beneficial, and all these picks suck, then then you squandered a great opportunity. But the opportunity is there. You are the best team in the NFC North, already 
arguably the best team, if not clearly one of the best teams in the entire NFC. I'm not going to bother going through the whole AFC because I don't even know what the AFC is anymore. But I mean, you got the Rams who are in decline. You got the Bucks who are in decline. You got the Packers. Who else? Maybe the 49ers. I don't know. They have a brand spanking new quarterback. We got to see what they can do. Not the Seahawks anymore. Cardinals, I, I have no idea. Certainly doesn't seem like a great situation. We've already established they're the best in the North. The East, Dallas, maybe, but they seem to be in decline. They're losing some pieces. Washington, no. The Giants, no. Eagles, I already said maybe, but probably not. And then in the South, I already said the Bucks. The Saints are a joke. The Cardinals are, are the, uh, the, not the Cardinals, the other team, the Carolina Panthers. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how I got Cardinals out of that. And the fa- I, if, at least if it was the Falcons, it would have made sense because they're birds. But those, those teams are all complete jokes. And again, compared to all the top teams, we have the picks, we have the money, right? Cowboys have a decent amount of money, but even when you look at uh, the cap space, the Cowboys are a team with, with uh, the fourth most, but they're sitting at 27. We're sitting at 20. So it's not like, you know, it's not like $60 million or anything. In fact, the highest is the Seahawks with 31. But you get the Cowboys, um, as far as other competitors, that's basically it. The Rams are below us with 15. Um, then you go down, 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 down. Where is everybody? The Buccaneers are technically negative, I guess. That's about it. Point is, we're in a fantastic position. It's also why, again, I just, I, I, I haven't seen it. I'm not seeing a lot of chirping among Vikings, Bears, and Lions fans. Never really see Lions fans chirping, but I really think it's because they were excited about the fact that we were clearly in the decline because, you know, late picks and no money. And now Vikings fans have like the least amount of money of any team. And we have one of the most, at least in the NFC North, and all the picks. And we still got basically our entire team minus Devontae. And before I move on, which I clearly need to do because we're running wildly out of time here, but just going through their group. Again, we, we've talked about they have Kirk coming back, and that's a short-term proposition, by the way, which, which is another negative because what do you do? You know you need to move on from Kirk Cousins in the next couple years, assuming that's the plan, and I don't know financially how you're planning on doing that, but that is going to be the plan. With these fully guaranteed contracts, it doesn't give you a lot of leeway as far as trades, as far as cuts, nothing, because you owe all of it. And anytime you try to give him a new contract that gives you know some level of outs, he's just going to say, no, thank you. <laughs> I'll take another full, fully guaranteed contract. Thank you very much. And they have to do it because their, their, their cap hit is so unbelievably horrible. They have to do a new contract and, and Kirk's just going to be like, nah, I'm good. I think I'll just, I'll just keep the current contract and you guys can eat $48 million. Or you can just give me another fully guaranteed contract. It's up to you. Whatever you want to do, it's fine. I don't mind. But you have a short-term quarterback with a team that is looking to win in the next two, three years. So I don't know. Wide receiver, you've got Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, right? Great combo. Adam Thielen is slowly declining a little bit at a time because he's getting old. Adam Thielen is 32 years old. So again, another situation where our window to win is maybe, maybe if we're being optimistic, 2023, but probably not 2024. Like we could really revamp this thing with, you know, cutting still more guys, bringing in more free agents, bringing in some quality draft picks. Maybe we can run this thing back in a year or two. Adam Thielen isn't really the picture of the guy that's going to be doing it. Neither is Kirk Cousins. Neither is Dalvin Cook, who's 27 years old and has never been healthy. You're telling me 29-year-old Dalvin Cook, who's still being run into the ground, is going to be some kind of a, a powerhouse in two years? I don't think so. Tight ends? 
I mean, you got Irv Smith and that's it. He's never really proven to be anything super special. Maybe with the new group coming in, he'll end up doing something. I don't know. Offensive line is decent. Brian O'Neill, Christian Derrissaw, Ezra Cleveland, that seems to be a, a decent base. Garrett Bradbury is kind of a joke. Mason Cole, the other center, is gone, seemingly. I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I don't think you can bring him back, but he's gone. And Garrett Bradbury's terrible. And by the way, it's getting to be time to pay him. And uh, being that he's a first-round guy, you have to decide if you're going to exercise his fifth-year option. My assumption is, no, you won't, because he hasn't deserved that. But at the same time, what the heck are you going to do at center? You're just going to give him some new low contract? Probably, I guess. I don't know. But you're going to have to do that soon. You're going to have to pay Garrett Bradbury. That's hilarious. And then Ali Udo at right guard is just horrific. So again, kudos for finally moving in the right direction. But the center and right guard situation is a disaster. And again, we've already gone through the defense largely, especially the defensive line. But you don't have Everson Griffin. You don't have Deshaun Bauer. And a lot of the guys you do have, like DJ Wonham and Daniil Hunter and Patrick Jones, who you just drafted, they don't really fit the new defense very well. And all you've done is add Harrison Phillips, who is a mediocre defensive tackle from Buffalo. Buffalo, by the way, also a 4-3 defense, so I'm completely confused as to what the heck we're doing. Again, some guys can do both. It doesn't really matter, but it's still strange to me. You'd think you'd want to bring guys in who have been a part of the kind of defense that you've been running, but apparently not. Linebacker, you got Jordan Hicks, Eric Hendricks, and that's about it. Nick Vigil is presumably gone. Barr is presumably gone. At safety, Harrison Smith is still there. Xavier Woods, presumably gone. That leaves you with Cam Bynum. At corner, I mean, it's, it's a little bit funny watching everybody just sign your old corners. Two different teams have signed two ex-first-round uh, corners for the Vikings. They had the one guy who was going to prison and then got exonerated, but he was already cut by the Vikings at that point. I think he signed with the Cardinals. And so what the Vikings did is they went out and just got a bunch of veterans. And now these guys are gone. Mackenzie Alexander and Patrick Peterson not on the team at this particular point in time, which leaves them with Harrison Hand, who's terrible, Cam Dantzler, Chris Boyd. I mean, they, they just, this is, this is dire. We're not even in, we're not even to the point of saying, you know, it could be close. This is dire. This is kind of like the Bears last year where you look at it and go, this is just not a good team, except the Bears last year, I think we're better. Maybe not. Maybe that's a little bit unfair, but they, I mean, they still had some pieces on that defense. They still had Khalil freaking Mack. If Justin Fields wasn't so garbage, you could probably say that the Bears last year were a better team. So it's, it's, it's awful. Then you look at the Chicago Bears, not very different. The amount of Bears that are free agents is pretty staggering. The list is, I mean, it's unbelievable how long this list is. Khalil Mack, um, well, he wasn't a free agent, but he's gone to the Chargers. Allen Robinson has gone to the Rams. Uh, let's see, Pat O'Donnell, the punter, is now a Green Bay Packer. Uh, James Daniels, the right guard, is now a Steeler. Uh, Elijah Wilkerson, the right tackle, is now a Falcon. Artie Burns, the cornerback, is now a Seahawk. Alex Bars, the left guard, is now a Raider. Tease Tabor, the safety, is now a Falcon. So that's just those guys that they've lost. The additions, Darrington Evans, running back from the Titans, is now a Bear. Lucas Patrick, which is probably actually a decent sign. I mean, Lucas Patrick's decent um, from the Packers, obviously, to the Bears. Uh, Al Al Kadeen Muhammad, edge rusher from the Colts, is a bear, which makes sense because all the Colts guys are over there now. So they, again, bring somebody over that understands the defense that you're trying to implement. Even if Al Kadeen Muhammad is not very good, he understands what the Colts are trying to do. And then Nick Murrow, the linebacker from the Raiders, is now a bear. There's still Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Andy Dalton, Jimmy Graham, 
uh, Jermaine Effetti, the right tackle, uh, Tashawn Gibson, the safety, Jason Peters, left tackle, Jesse James, tight end, Deion Bush, safety, Damian Williams, running back, uh, Marquise Goodwin, wide receiver, Christian Jones, linebacker, DeAndre Houston Carson, safety, Patrick Scales, long snapper, uh, Demir Bird, wide receiver, Marcus Hunt, defensive lineman, Alec Ogletree, linebacker, Cassius March, edge rusher, Bruce Irvin, linebacker, Marquis Christian, cornerback, Xavier Crawford, cornerback, Ryan Nall, running back, J.P. Holtz, tight end, uh, Joel Yigbudu, linebacker, and Bilal Nichols, defensive tackle. All still unsigned free agents. Assuming they can't bring all those guys back, that's all just lost talent. They did bring in uh, Byron Pringle, Equinemius St. Brown, a couple other very minor moves, uh, Justin Jones. But similar to the Vikings, as much as we want to point to, well, they did this move and this move, they've gone 10 steps back and like one step forward, maybe. And again, while the Bears have money and and not very much when you factor how many guys are gone, again, they don't have any draft picks, which is where you really need to do some damage for a team that has financial issues, being one of the highest dead money teams in the NFL. The biggest way you're going to build is through the draft. And you can't because your first pick is pick 39 two seconds, a third, two-fifths, and a sixth. That's all they get. And so looking at Chicago's roster, they have Justin Fields, which is the only thing that matters to this entire team right now. If he's garbage, it doesn't matter what they do. It's not going to matter. If he's good, it's the only thing that gives them any hope. Although even if he's good, this team is not going to be a good football team. I mean, really, you think about really good quarterbacks that have come out of college that are just put on garbage rosters. It, it, It just doesn't matter. Again, Deshaun Watson in Houston. He's always been a great quarterback, but the team has always also been pretty bad. Maybe not always, always, but the last several years, especially when they started gutting the team, trash. And that is the absolute best possible case scenario for Justin Fields. There's almost a 0% chance that happens. But what do they have at tight end? Nothing. Cole Komet was terrible. What do they have at wide receiver? Darnell Mooney. Marquise Goodwin and uh, Demir Bird and Allen Robinson are not on the team. So they have Darnell Mooney, Daz Newsome, and that's it. Bears fans doing victory laps about, oh, we got Darnell, Darnell's so good, and Justin Fields is going to be great, it's going to be this great thing. Dude, are you out of your mind? You have two wide receivers and a terrible quarterback and no tight ends. You got David Montgomery, that's great, but guess who's, who's going to need a contract? David Montgomery. Guess who's going to milk the Bears for every single penny because he's the only um, a slight bit of talent left on this team? David Montgomery. The guy who's yet to be featured as anything even remotely special because the offensive line and the the offense in general is so bad that David Montgomery has not even reached anywhere near his potential, but you're still going to have to pay him a lot of money. The offensive line, Jason Peters is gone. Tevin Jenkins is going to take over. That guy couldn't even get on the field last year. And when he was, he wasn't very good. Cody Whitehair at left guard has been in decline since forever. You brought in Lucas Patrick to be your right guard. He's been a longtime backup for the Packers. Your center is presumably gone. Maybe Cody Whitehair takes over. I don't really know how you're planning on making this work. Sam Mustafer is going to be the guy for now, I think. Right tackle Larry Borum. I mean, it's just, this is a hodgepodge of what the heck is this? And you were bad last year. Defensive line, again, you got Robert Quinn uh, off the edge and what? Al-Kadin Muhammad was brought in. And again, we're switching to more of a 4-3 team. So Robert Quinn's going to have to switch after a really good year from outside linebacker to defensive end, which he's done several times. But what? Akeem Hicks is gone. Cassius Marsh is gone. Bilal Nichols is gone. Marcus Hunt is gone. Uh, everybody's gone. Mario Edwards, uh, Kairis Tonga, Sam Kamara. I don't, I don't even know who these people are for the most part. This is your entire defensive line. Linebackers. 
You got Roquan, who's, who's, by the way, last year of his contract. Probably give him a fifth-year option, I don't know, but this dude wants massive money. And you're going to overpay him too, just like you did Eddie Jackson. You're going to pay him a massive amount of money. Because you can't not. Because the perception is this is one of the premier linebackers in the NFL, which I think is wildly overstated. But he's going to get paid that way, and you're going to pay him. Otherwise, what's his name? The longtime linebacker, he's gone. Alec Ogletree, Bruce Irvin, Christian Jones, the next three linebackers, all gone. So it's Roquan and Caleb Johnson. At safety, I think they just extended DeAndre Houston Carson, so he's going to stick around with Eddie Jackson. But Deion Bush, the only other safety on the roster, is currently not with the team. And your corners are all mostly there, but they're all mostly garbage. I know you guys are excited about Jalen Johnson. Fine, I'll give you that, even though I don't think he's very good. But I'll, I'll just gift it to you because you've got nothing else. Kendall Vildor, Thomas Graham, Duke Shelley in the final year of his deal. It's, it's a disaster. This is a disaster area. And even Detroit, I mean, for a team that needs to completely revamp their roster, they've basically just re-signed all their guys. They re-signed Tim Boyle, Charles Harris, Josh Reynolds, Alex Anzalone for some reason, uh, Evan Brown, Jason Cabinda, Tracy Walker, Josh Woods, Jesse Limonier, Goodwin Obibibim, Matt Nelson, Jack Fox, Rashad Berry, Bobby Price, Juju Hughes, Jalen Elliott, Ryan McCollum, Tom Kennedy, Mark Gilbert Scott, Daly, Brock Wright, Tommy Kramer, Anthony Pittman, Sean Dion Hamilton, CJ Moore, Shane Zilstra. So they had a million dollars and they used it all to re-sign their own guys. They did bring in DJ Chark and they did lose Jalen Reeves-Maben. And I think you can make a case where you would understand why, because the only thing good about this team is the energy and the, uh, you know, that, that grit and all that stuff. So you want to be able to bring back your guys. The problem is you can't just keep these guys because they're not good football players. At some point, you need to replace all these guys. And so if the thought is, well, you know, we don't want the locker room to get upset, you know, like, you know, we're in this together and we, we fight hard and all that stuff. And by the way, I love you guys so much, but everyone get the heck out because you suck and we're going to replace all of you. And then we're going to bring in new young guys that don't have the same mentality, et cetera, et cetera. So they seem to be stuck in that death cycle. But again, for, for all the potential that the Lions have, and, and you know, I, I, kudos to them for saying we're going to build through the draft, but you have a lot of building to do. Jared Goff is not a good quarterback. He's just not. You got Amon Ross St. Brown, but you don't have anybody else aside from Trinity Benson and Quintez Cephas. Khalif Raymond and uh, Kaderil Hodge are presumably gone. You got DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams in the final year of his deal, and Jamar Jefferson and a couple other who-cares running backs. TJ Hawkinson, one of the few guys on this offense that's any bit competent, he's in the final year of his deal. He's going to be looking for a big chunk of money. The offensive line is is decent, but not super great. Hoping for a big jump from Penny Sewell, obviously. Defensive line is is a disaster. Linebackers are a joke. Corners are terrible. Safeties are not great. So again, the, the idea that, well, they're a gritty team and they do all this, at some point, you have to be a good team, not just a gritty team. Not just a bad team that, that really put up a good fight and lost. And that's going to require talent. And so far, in free agency, they've done almost nothing. Aside from add DJ Chark, which again, it's a good addition. You got TJ Hawkinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Chark, and, and Jared Goff's throwing to him. I mean, you're you're borderline what the Vikings are, right? You've you've got a mediocre quarterback, which, you know, I'm, I'm lumping him and Kirk in the same category, which is probably unfair, but let's just say it's similar. And you've got some weapons on offense. You could say it's not as much as the Vikings, but that's it's probably closer than people want to give it credit for. If DJ Chark can be a solid, big, uh, fast, deep threat. Amon Ra has proven to be an actually really, I mean, we got we to wait and see because it was a small sample size, but he really started to show out. 
and you add TJ Hawkinson, which the Vikings do not have, and the running backs might not be as good, but at least they stay on the field, and they maybe have a better offensive line. Man, would that be funny if the Lions were better than the Vikings? And, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're better than the Bears, especially if they get a couple draft hits. And again, Penny Sewell takes a step. Alim McNeil takes a step. Levi and Wuzurike takes a step. We had a lot of draft picks last year. If Amani Arawarie can kind of step up, Jeff Okuda can stop sucking. Maybe. I don't know. Potentially looking at the number two team. Not because they're just stacked with talent, but because, I mean, compared to the other teams, got as good a shot as anybody. But again, final point, because we got to take a break and I got to wrap this thing up. The idea that the NFC North is a competition is kind of silly because the Packers lost Devontae. The Packers are still by far the best team. Yes, they have to figure out wide receiver, of course, and the Packers know that, and they're going to. 100,000% they're going to. Whether that's get aggressive in free agency now, or get aggressive in the draft, and if things don't pan out, then you get aggressive in free Well, then it's too late. No, it's not. Again, I'm not going to go on that tirade again, but the idea that wide receiver is the most important position in football, like NFL fans in general, but especially Packer fans seem to think, is a little silly. It is important. you got to have a wide receiver. But it's not either you have elite wide receivers or you can't win. I mean, to be honest, if that's the case, it may, it may not be any hope anyways. Who are we going to go get now that's an elite wide receiver? Go get DK. Why, why do you think the Seahawks are trading DK? You just made that up. You know you can't force a team to trade somebody, right? Especially to you, who the Seahawks don't like. They don't want the Packers to have DK Metcalf. Go get Tyler Lockett. Why do you think they're trading Tyler Lockett? Why do you think that? There is nobody that's an a, a, a Adams replacement. So... We'll see. I will say, though, if we don't do anything in the dra- uh, in free agency all the way up to the draft, which is unlikely, but I expect them to be irresponsible in the draft, i.e. they're going to draft wide receiver no matter what, which I generally don't think that they do that, but they, they don't really have a choice. Although Brian Gutekunst is a massive fan of the guys that we have, like Alan Lazard. But anyways, um, I just wanted to go over that before the narrative that you know the, the, the Vikings might be a close second, or maybe they could take over the North, or maybe this, maybe that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I just, I don't think so. Assuming we add even one wide receiver, it's not even a close competition. We got we to work on the, the wide receiver. We got to kind of bolster this offensive line, especially with uh, Elton Jenkins presumably being out for a while. But um, yeah, I just, I just don't really see it being very close. Aaron Rodgers alone, not to mention the rest, especially the defense, which is surprising to say, but I just, I just don't see it as being close. And again, the, the, if you look at what the roster is now, you get nervous, but you again, you have to understand the $20 million and all those draft picks aren't going to remain $20 million and all those draft picks by the time the season starts. They're going to be converted into players, and we don't know who those players are, but they're going to contribute to our team. So we have to kind of wait and see what those things are going to be converted into. But anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break? I'm not going to run through my whole spiel because I am basically out of time. I want to take a quick break, come back, look at a couple draft things, and uh, we'll call it a day. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. 
Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So one of the things I wanted to, to mention, I'm not just going to run through a bunch of guys, mostly because we don't have time right now, but um, one of the things that I wanted to mention is I think I've zeroed in, and I, I got to watch more of him, which means actual film, because I, I don't want to make a complete solid assessment based on like very minimal highlights, and there's almost no highlights of him anyways. Um, I did watch one film study breakdown video, which is another really great resource because other people that are better at this there are a lot of guys, even if they're not super good at it, they can still point to a couple things and, and usually show you film that you haven't seen. It's kind of a, a slower version of a highlight reel. You know, guys like Vach Lombardi, I haven't watched his videos in forever, but that's kind of how I started, was watching a lot of Vach Lombardi. He kind of started this whole thing, and now there's 50 billion guys doing it. But Zion Johnson is kind of becoming my favorite prospect in terms of not just his talent, but in terms of our needs. Um, I'm kind of just... I just can't get settled on these wide receivers, as I've said several times. Any one of them can end up being stars, but I think they all have really low floors, and that's what makes me nervous. I don't think any of these guys are high floor guys, and I think the reason that I kind of like Pickens is I feel like he's maybe the higher floor, maybe doesn't quite have the ceiling that a lot of these guys do, which is what everybody likes about. They love high ceiling prospects. I'm scared of low floor prospects, and all of them are low floor prospects. Chris Olave with his size, Jamison Williams with his size, Traylon Burks and, um, and Drake London are guys that most of the time, guys that are built like this fail. Most of the time, it really does not work out. When it does, it's big, right? When, when, when Traylon Burks becomes Debo Samuel, it's big, but out of about 10 guys that have been drafted in the last several years that are built like Traylon Burks, one of them has panned out. All the other ones are complete jokes. And Drake London, there's been like one that has panned out. Maybe two, you can count Mike Williams, kind of. Mike Williams is a decent number two. But outside of Mike Evans, how many times has a just massive giant jump ball guy been a good wide receiver? Now, again, if he pans out, then he's Mike Evans. And so it, that's why I don't want to be too forceful in that I'm, I'm worried about him because then he's going to turn into Mike Evans and it's like, oh, I thought you said blah, blah, blah. No, I understand the ceiling. 
I just know that these guys have low floors and it's basically either they become Mike Evans or they're just not very good football players is generally how this is going to pan out. Like guys that are built like Mike Evans, there's there's no third option or very rarely is there a a middle option. It's either you're really, really, really good or you're just kind of bad. Either it translates and all that stuff that you did in college translates in your dominance or it doesn't translate because you, you, you still can't separate and now you're not just getting 50-50 balls all the time and all these extra things that you did in college don't translate here and so you just can't do anything now. And so I'm not opposed to any of them. And again, if the Packers take them, then that's, in my mind, their endorsement that it will translate and these guys are going to be studs and that's cool. By the way, one final note on Traylon Burks. I was, I was, I didn't, I'm not going to do it today. I'll probably do it tomorrow. But somebody had asked me to do, you know, if we were to replace some of the lower level guys on our team with somebody here, which I've kind of done, but it's not just player comps. I'm talking about like the best possible prospect to replace the guys that we have. Who would it be? The interesting thing is when I look for a slot receiver, uh, Wandale Robinson obviously comes to mind, but then I thought, well, the Packers don't like the small slots. They want big slots. You know who that is, right? It's Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks in college was like 71% in the slot. He is a he is Amari Rodgers. We just drafted Amari Rodgers. And I understand you don't like Amari Rodgers, probably. But the odds that the Packers are going to draft that exact same position again, when we still need a Devontae Adams replacement and an MVS replacement, the only thing we do have are slot guys. Then you think we're going to go get Traylon Burks? Well, we're going to put him on the outside. Okay, but that's not really his position. He is a big slot guy. Again, 70 some odd percent in college he played in the slot. He is Amari Rogers. I don't think they're going to draft Amari Rogers again and then push him outside and hope it pans out. I just, I don't see that as a real possibility. When you have all these other needs, we're, the, the first pick we're going to make or maybe the second pick we're going to make is to give up on Amari Rogers after he played like a half a game all year. No, we got the slot covered, man. It may not be great, but we, we don't have enough picks to be replacing positions that we already have that we just replaced last year. So I'm not completely striking him off my list, but I, I just really downgrade him in terms of my opinion of the Packers' likelihood of drafting them. And so again, you go, go through the wide receivers, and I know I'm try, trying to talk about Zion, but I'm just uh, real quick. Garrett Wilson, probably long gone. Drake London, I think, makes sense in terms of, you know, he's built the way the Packers like people to be built. So that's a possibility, but I just worry about do they actually think he's a first-round wide receiver, which is to say you are a guy that is a great route runner. You can gain separation. You can do all these things. Great hands, intelligent. I mean, every box needs to be checked. If you're just a big jump ball guy, you will not be drafted. I don't care how big you are. Packers like big receivers. He's a big receiver. Boom, done deal. Nope, not in the first round. Sorry. You check all the boxes or you don't get drafted. If you want to draft a Drake London type in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, fine. You don't have to check every single box. But in the first round, yes, you do. Chris Olave, I like him. He's real small. Are we sure that this is the guy that breaks the mold that the Packers are going to say to heck with all of our standards? This guy breaks the mold. Are we 100% sure that he can just get off press? No problem. He's not just going to get pushed around, that the Packers are not going to be worried about his injuries and all that kind of stuff, about him getting injured because he's small. Jamison Williams, same thing. Jahan Dotson, same thing. So of the big needs in my mind between offensive line and wide receiver, Zion Johnson makes a massive amount of sense to me. Here's a couple other points I wanted to make. Number one, I don't know that we know for sure what the plan is with Elton Jenkins when he comes back, with Billy Turner leaving. I don't think it's been explored enough, at least not on this podcast, 
the possibility that we try to load up on guards, which we've been doing for a while now. We've been loading up on guards with Royce and Runyon and all these other guys. It's entirely possible that maybe the long-term vision is David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins are our guards moving forward. You draft a guy like Zion Johnson, and suddenly we have John Runyon, Zion Johnson, Royce Newman, and, and a pile of other guys that are competing for that job on top of anybody else that we may be drafting. And again, Yash is our depth at tackle. If that is the plan, it's not impossible that they take a tackle early, but I would say it's unlikely because now you're put in a position where you have three guys that you need to start a tackle that you can. I don't see drafting a guy that's going to sit on the bench and eventually replace David Bakhtiari in two, three, four years as a real viable option. Or a guy that's going to start a tackle early, probably not be good because he's a rookie and he's just starting. And then by the time he maybe starts to get his groove, you kick him to the bench and hopefully hope he stays there because Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari are going to be healthy for the long term. If the plan is to move Elton Jenkins to right tackle, you're not going to draft a tackle. And to be honest, I don't hate that plan because as I'm looking at it, I don't like very many of these tackles. I really don't. As I looked at it after what we did yesterday, Evan Neal, Akemaquanu, Charles Cross, and even Trevor Penning, who again, Northern Iowa, I don't know if they would draft him, but most of these guys are probably gone. Then you have Bernard Raymond, Central Michigan. Again, the whole school thing is the major problem here. Otherwise, I guess he kind of fits. But outside of that, there's kind of nobody. Uh, Fayel Ailey doesn't fit. Tyler Smith uh, from Tulsa. Darian Kennard, not very athletic. Uh, Petit Frere, not very athletic. Abraham Lucas is, but he plays at Washington State. I don't think that's a really good fit. We did draft the one guy from Washington State, but still, Washington State is a very different system, very different everything. I don't know how well that fits. Rashid Walker, not a great fit. Max Mitchell plays for Louisiana Lafayette. There's not a lot of guys that check all those boxes. And by the way, we're already in like the fourth round. So as far as fits, I think Bernard Raymond might be the only guy. And again, I, I have questions about whether they would want to grab a guy out of Central Michigan in the first round. But Zion Johnson, I'm telling you, or even a guy like Sean Ryan, Jamari Salyer, maybe maybe not the greatest fits, but what about Dylan Parham? I think Dylan Parham out of Memphis uh, in, the, in the third or fourth round is a solid option. Great player, good athleticism. There's plenty of guys that fit, but, but Zion Johnson I love. And, and the, 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 the number one selling point for me, it's going to sound a little bit silly, but I think one of the most underrated guys, one of my favorite players that I don't think ever got enough credit for just being the most, you know, you talk about guys like Devontae Adams, who are just elite every single year, never had bad days, always showed up, always dominant. It was Josh Sitton. Love Josh Sitton. Massive fan of Josh Sitton. And, and, and the, the level of play that he brought, the, the, the way that he helped improve this offensive line was, was unbelievable. As a pass blocker and as a run blocker, there was never a day that went by that I wasn't massively grateful for Josh Sitton being Josh Sitton. The guy was just a complete freak. He dominated in the run. He dominated as a pass blocker. And his, 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 the way that he upgraded this team was incredible. And we had a bunch of other great offensive linemen at the time, but he was, he was a man among men. If you go look at Zion Johnson over at RAS.football uh, or whatever it is, they show you his ridiculous elite athleticism, which the Packers are going to fall in love with. But at, below that, they show some comps. And the very first comp on there is Mr. Josh Sitton. As soon as I saw that, on top of already liking the guy, that was it. I was done. This, I think, right now is my number one prospect. Think about that for a second. Let's just, let's just fantasize for one minute. You get a very young, brand spanking new Josh Sitton on this team with David Bakhtiari at left tackle, Elton Jenkins at right tackle, Josh Myers at center, 
John Runyon at left guard and Zion Johnson at right guard. Or you can flip-flop that in some kind of a way. In my mind, the offense is set at that point. It's not perfect. It could certainly be upgraded, but it is a very, very good offensive line. Very, very good. Instantly very good. So as of right now, that is my double circle, double underline, three exclamation point prospect. Again, I'm gonna. I, I probably shouldn't go back and watch any more of him because if I start to, if my opinion starts to drift, I'm gonna be sad. But I want to make sure that I really zero in on that. And I don't know if I've ever actually really just fallen in love with an offensive line prospect before. He might be the first one. I should probably come up with a new term other than falling in love, but it is what it is. I like Trayvon Walker, but he's probably gone. I like Jordan Davis. He's probably gone. Certainly not enough to trade up. Jermaine Johnson, I really, really, really like, but again, I'm not trading up for him. Carl Loftus, I'm not massively, you know what, with. Drake London, I've already talked about. Devin Lloyd and the linebackers, I like him, N'Kobe Dean and Devin Lloyd, but it doesn't seem super necessary. It's not a, a premium position, especially when you're talking about number two linebacker. Again, I, I, I mean, I, listen, I'll do backflips for Drake, for Devin Lloyd, for N'Kobe Dean. I'll get excited about the potential, but it just, it doesn't strike me as like this perfect thing. Chris Olave, again, I will do backflips for days because he is such a smooth route runner. I love his hands and all this stuff that he can do. Plus the fact that every film grinder is obsessed with this guy gives me hope that this is legit, but I still have my concerns and I still have my doubts that the Packers are interested. Jamison Williams, again, I don't know if I want just an MVS replacement and he can't just be an MVS replacement. And if that's what he is, you don't draft him in the first round, even though some teams will do it. You shouldn't. It's stupid. Traylon Burks, I've already expressed my thoughts about. Trent, Trent McDuffie and Andrew Booth are corners. Kenyon Green, I, I'm not a fan of, which means we'll probably draft him because they, they're going to draft somebody that I'm going to be disappointed in, so they'll, they'll draft Kenyon Green. But he just he does not seem powerful. That'll be the big thing that'll get me excited. Kenyon Green will throw a dude for miles. He just doesn't have the athleticism. Devontae Wyatt, I really, really, really like. And if we get Devontae Wyatt and Zion Johnson, that's basically a perfect first round for me. Um, he might be my number two favorite prospect right now, but th- there just isn't anybody else that I'm like massively over. I mean, Daxton, I like Daxton, no problem with Daxton whatsoever. But again, we're talking about a number three safety, a potential replacement for Adrian Amos. And so, although I understand best player available, I'm not going to get massively excited about it. You know what I mean? It's like, if your boss says, Hey, we're either going to give you a week off, uh, starting next week, or we're going to give you two weeks off next year. And they're like, good news. You get two weeks off next year. I acknowledge that that's the better deal, but I'm still going to be sad about it. Uh, Same with Bernard Raymond. I mean, hey, I'll take a a dominant right tackle if they think that that's the guy. Cool. But I'm not over the moon necessarily. And maybe I should try to, it's going to be hard to find central. I should look, I don't have time right now. I'll look to see if there's any film on Bernard Raymond in my little uh, spreadsheet thing that I have. Pickens I like, I do, but I I see him as a lower ceiling than a lot of those other guys and and higher floor prospect. He, He does have a decent ceiling. And again, if the Packers take him, I'm going to be excited about the prospect of that, but I'm not as excited. Sounds weird because I'm talking about a guard, but it's just the reality. Again, Fail Ailey, I don't think there's any chance we take him. Kyler Gordon is a corner. Seen, I like a lot, but again, number three safety. We'll see. Jaquan Brisker, exact same thing. Logan Hall, I'm not a big fan of. Again, I, I can get excited about a, a, a leaner pass rushing defensive tackle, but I don't think the Packers like that anyways. So, I mean, again, you go down the list, down the list, down the list. There's a lot of guys. You know, Mafe. solid. DeMarvin Leal, you can sell me on. Um, Travis Jones, I like a lot. Um, Drake Jackson, Trey McBride, Christian Watson. So uh, Perry and Winfrey is not very good, but he went to my high school, I just found out. So that was funny. I was trying to find his age, so I Googled him and he went to Lake Park High School. I'm like, oh dang, that's where I went to school. Nobody goes to Lake Park High School, man. I would have thought maybe Streamwood, but the other high school I went to, maybe somebody would come out of, but not Lake Park. So 
plenty of prospects. And again, my goal is to fall in love with as many of these prospects as I can. So no matter what, I'm jumping up and down. So I'm trying to focus more on the positive than the negative. I'm giving you my opinion as to what the downside is. And a lot of it for these wide receivers, the reason I'm being so negative is because the, the fan base is overly obsessed with them. They're just overly obsessed. And, and the, obsess- the, the assumption is we have to take one of them. And not only that, I'm starting to see more and more they should double up. The first two picks should be wide receiver. We should go uh, Drake London and Traylon Burr. And believe me, if we do, my mind is going to drift off into fantasy land and I'm going to get all kinds of excited. And I'm going to forget about our needs in all these other positions. And I'm going to be thinking about Traylon Burks and Drake London and how big and how physical and how crazy and dominant that's going to be. And and just, just, the, just the thought of putting Amari and Traylon Burks and Drake London and then just for fun, putting A.J. Dillon split out just, just because we freaking can. Just nothing but power and muscle. We have four running backs. I mean, Drake isn't really built like a running back, but he's just as strong as power and powerful as them. He's a tight, let's call it a tight end. We've got three running backs and a tight end split out wide. And, and by the way, all four of them are actually wide receivers. Well, actually, A.J. Dillon isn't, but he's got as good a hands as any of these guys. I mean, my mind will just go to stupid places and I'll have all kinds of fun with it. Or if, or if it's... Uh, Olave and Drake London. Of course, I'm going to be excited about it. Wouldn't be what I would do. But if you think I'm going to be mad about that, you're out of your mind. I am not mad. But anyways, I do have to get going. Um, starting to get excited. Uh, send me some prospects. I think I'm going to, I did this once before on Patreon, but I'll, I'll probably do it again. I've also got my draft group, which uh, you should get involved in. As far as I know, it is the biggest NFL draft Facebook group um, online, which may not be true, but it's the biggest one I can find. So there you go which means I should probably, I'm number one in something and I don't do anything with it. But the group is called NFL Mock Draft and then there's dash NFL Draft Fanatics because I wanted to put NFL Draft in it somewhere and also just make it sound exciting. But go ahead and do that. Otherwise, we'll take, uh, we're not taking a break. We're just going to leave, actually. I will, uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>